Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he's your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today, we're talking 1992's My Cousin Vinny. We assume, if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the movie. Which, I believe, was one of those films that everybody saw when it came out. Like, uh, uh, not everyone. Almost everyone. No, I, I feel like parents who never really rented movies in the early 90s definitely went to Blockbuster and picked this one up just because of word of mouth. I'm assuming by what you're saying, you had no idea this movie existed until recently. I knew it existed, okay? Okay, I, I wanted to defend myself, but oftentimes <laughs> I don't know movies existed. No, I told you this, actually, like when we were getting kind of ready for this. This is a movie that I'd seen the end of on yeah. TV multiple times, must have been. Usually just like the court, like the final court case. Mm -hmm. But I'd never seen the beginning. So when this movie was selected, and I'm sure you'll tell everybody why we're doing this movie... Yes. Um, I actually thought, okay, this is going to be my first chance to watch it from start to finish. Because I've seen the end must be like six times. I don't think I've ever seen this on television. I didn't know it was a TV movie. I guess it does lend itself to it, though. I, I don't know the exact details on why it was TV on TV. I just, I just remember seeing it on TV. Yeah. It's weird just thinking of Joe Pesci being on TV and not in like a TV version of Home Alone. Um, but yeah, we're, we're talking My Cousin Vinny. Um, it is January's listener pick uh, submitted by Danielle. Uh, Sandro, can you let us know why this was uh, her pick for uh, for this month? What do I look like, a mind reader? No, you but I, I know you got have. Some, you think I just got some magic form in front of me that tells me the answer? God damn it. <laughs> yeah, why? I don't know why I would think that. No clue whatsoever. Okay, so the answer on the form in front of me says, I had recently watched Casino, inspired yeah. by Joe Pesci's performance as Nicky Santoro. Yep. I looked to see what other Joe Pesci movies might be of interest and stumbled on My Cousin Vinny. Being in a comedy mood, My Cousin Vinny felt like the perfect fit for what I was looking for. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird follow-up to Casino. but no, I mean, I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, I don't think you would like it. I, I love it, but it's it it's a long one. I, I should point out, I knew it existed, though. Very good. <laughs> but what movie do you think, other than Home Alone, which I think, did that, Home Alone and My Cousin Vinny came out the same year? Oh, I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, he was pretty much really known for Goodfellas at this point. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Home Alone amazing. was 1990. Okay. I mm, Goodfellas also? No, I'm not looking up another one, okay? If you're going to reference these, you need to know your own dates. No. I'm looking it up right now. Everybody can just hum and haw for a second. <laughs> okay, yes. So leave me alone. <laughs> Okay, he had a pretty decent run over these couple of years, because 89, Lethal Weapon 2, probably one of the most hated characters in the Lethal Weapon series, as Leo gets. 
The following year, he did Goodfellas and Home Alone. Then we'll go with JFK in 91. It's fine, whatever. And then 92, Pesci did My Cousin Vinny, Lethal Weapon 3, The Public Eye, and Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. So massive year for him. Oh, man. Yeah. Right? But uh, the movie also has a number of other fantastic actors, just not as famous. Yeah, that's a... That's a good uh, segue into a certain question that I need to ask you. Oh, I don't know how I forget about this almost every week. Uh, So for the first time in the podcast history, I'm going to ask you to tell me what actors in My Cousin Vinny have appeared in other movies that we have reviewed. All right. I'm looking at a cast list right now. Uh, Don't bother. Yeah, no, there's nobody. Uh, there's two of the, you know, like, man in crowd ones. Uh, don't count, but let's hear it. Uh, Thomas, uh, Murdis. Oh, yeah, him. Man in Town Square in this movie. And he had the unforgettable role of Goomba in Super Mario Bros. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy. Okay, uh, sorry, Thomas, was it? Uh, but- Thomas, uh, Murdis. Thomas Mervis? Oh, Jesus. Sorry, Thomas, but I still maintain that Toad Goomba is best Goomba. Oh, for sure. But this was just general Goomba. You can see why I said don't even bother. <laughs> Who uh, was the second one, one? There's one more. There's one more. I'm surprised you didn't get this one. Because um, I thought it was pretty obvious that J. Don Ferguson, who played guard number one in this, uh, was... In I know what you did last summer as oh my MC. Ben Willis was oh, MC he looked like Ben okay wait I'm thinking of somebody <laughs> different else I'm thinking of the guy that played JT <laughs> so that's it there is a guard that uh, who brings Vinny into the cell to meet up with Bill and Stan and okay. I had to watch the scene twice because I'm like is that Walton Goggins. And then I thought, then I'm like, wait, this is 1992, and this man is larger and taller. But, man, I would love to see Walton Goggins in this movie. A film set in the South, a courtroom comedy in Alabama. He's a perfect fit in this. I'm just a fan. I like seeing him in anything. Yeah, that's true. But in case you're ever wondering, like, how deep do I look into these for the questions? Now you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's it's a, a thankless endeavor. Yes, yes. Uh, in fact, nobody thanks me, and only you give me a hard time because you don't like doing it. So you're, that in itself is enough motivation. All you're right, welcome. let's get into Danielle's pick of My Cousin Vinny. Well, the film opens with friends Bill Gambini, played by Ralph Macchio, and Stan Rothenstein, played by Mitchell Whitfield, driving through Alabama. Now, these are two New York college students, but... Great to see Ralph Macchio, as always. Um, we, we've talked about him in, in Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid movies and how much we love the show movies. Well, I mean, that's up for debate. I don't like the movies. I can say that on record right now. You can go back and look at our Twitter. I didn't like the movies. First movie's great. I don't care what you say. Do you recognize Stan Rothenstein? He looks familiar, but no. You know his voice, though. No. You're a Ninja Turtles fan, right? No. You're a liar, too, yes? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, he was the voice of uh, Donatello in the 2007 movie. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna remember that. Well, you, oh, how am I supposed to remember Thomas, what's his name? Guy in crowd or whatever, town square. I, I didn't expect you to. I well, moving on. I said don't because do it. They seem rather smug, these two, yet amused by their surroundings. And this immediately makes fun of Alabama. Oh, man, they're looking at all this stuff in the landscape, but then look at the backseat of their car. They're just throwing their garbage in. Like, good geez. Trash. Keep but yeah. they're setting up Savages. a rural southern... <laughs> <God>. <laughs> setting up a rural southern town, or a community, I guess, with like signs like dirt for sale, uh, free horse manure, stuff like that. And sadly, I mean, you see those around rural Nova Scotia all the time. But these it's two... Dirt. Yeah. dirt everywhere. Just... Dirt. Yeah, we get it. Don't need signs. The, the, I'm pretty the, sure that later on somebody even says they're famous for their mud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should be infamous, but uh, they stop at the Sack of Suds general store for some food. And there they share banter over the price of canned beans. And Bill stuffs a can of tuna in his pocket because he's already carrying too much food. I don't, I don't know why, why Stan doesn't try and help. But this bickering, I find absolutely annoying. I don't like these two characters at all. No. And anybody... Yeah, anybody watching is probably annoyed as well because they're here for Joe Pesci. They're here for, they don't know it yet, but Marissa Tomei. But anyway, these two kids, they, they pay for the food and take off. What seems like seconds later... Bill realizes that he forgot to pay for the can of tuna in his pocket just before they're being pulled over by the police. It seems like no time has passed, so it does not make sense that they're pulled over yet. For what, we don't even know. But obviously it's important because the cop immediately pulls his shotgun and takes them in. Yeah, yeah. That shotgun was very readily available. <laughs> yeah, well, they carry like a. Car. Like where we normally would have like a cell phone holder in between <laughs> our seats, you just got a shotgun. Yeah, that's that's normal. And I mean, it seemed a little quick to it considering the guys stopped without even a fight. You'd think that if they murdered someone, they'd be a little bit more uh, on edge or trying to get away. Yeah, but the fact that they pulled over means this guy also thinks he's got two murderers sitting in front of him. So he's not going to take any chances. And this leads us to the police lineup. And the boys are both shocked, rightfully so, that they're in a police lineup because of a can of tuna. <laughs> so the thing about police lineups in movies is, aren't you supposed to get people that look somewhat similar? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe that's the same guy I saw. Clearly not the six foot, 300 pound guy. You're not making this mistake. Yeah, and you, like, you, you can get away with that in this movie because the idea that they look similar to two other guys has not been brought up yet. So it could be people driving this stretch of road in a certain amount of time or whatever. So I can let them get away with that. But knowing that people have identified these two, why are you bring in a six foot five, 300 pound man? Who's identifying them in this lineup? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, cut to the sack of suds which is now teaming with police, uh, and we see that the clerk has been murdered. 
You know, he probably shorted somebody else on that uh, Slurpee. <laughs> That's, or slushy. Oh, yeah. That was great. That thing was only like half full. And he's so, so annoyed that he was asked to fill it up. It's like, what do you, you think he paid for a third of a cup? It's like, you keep pulling that shit and someday someone's going to stand up to you. Oh. <laughs> I'm also curious about the um, the tape on the ground marking out the um, the line of the clerk's body. I forget the proper term. Because normally you do that as you're removing the body. And that, that tape's down. And no one's near the corpse. Well, I took a coffee break. I guess. At the station, the boys have confessed, assuming they're talking about tuna still, but have actually confessed to murder. And this is where we first see how good the writing is in this movie. Um, the confusion uh, mixed with top-notch acting from Bruce McGill as Sheriff Farley just makes me smile. It's great filmmaking because they, they're going back and forth, but neither really state what they're actually talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's just mass confusion that ends with confession to, of committing murder. But it's during further questioning where Bill finally realizes <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, yeah. This is not about stealing a can of tuna. Using his one phone call, uh, he calls his mother. Nah, uh, he calls his ma. His ma. Ma! Yeah. Listen, uh, ma! Jesus, really getting into it. Um, can't afford a decent attorney. His buddy is just sitting there in front of the entire precinct telling them that they sleep with each other. Not just that. He's like... (laughs) (laughs) Inbred sleeping with each other. The clans here, they're inbred. They sleep with their (laughs) sisters. And the look that one of the cops gives him, and he goes, some of them do. No, like, shut up. (laughs) Yeah, definitely doing yourself many favors here. But uh, this is where we learn that they uh, that Bill has an attorney in the family, uh, the titular cousin Vinny. And thank God we get Vinny in this movie now. Because we get Vinny Gambini, of course, Joe Pesci, and his fiance Mona Lisa Vito, played by the wonderful Marissa Tomei, arriving mm-hmm. in this rural town. Um, these two are the epitome of 90s Brooklyn Italian stereotypes, and it's pretty grating at first. She's so pretty. Just stunning, no doubt. I crushed on her so hard. I'm sure you did. She's just gorgeous. Sorry, we were talking about a movie? Uh, We were talking about the incredibly handsome Joe Pesci. You know what? He's he's a pretty charming guy. He's a looker. Uh, Honestly, it's impossible. Yeah, you do. Uh, It's... Oh, shut up. It's... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. It's hard not to immediately like these two. Yeah, they, they're great. They are great. And I don't know if it's just their chemistry or how unique their personas are while still falling prey to stereotypical writing. I mean, both of them are fantastic on their own. So, yeah, some of it's chemistry, but it's also that both of them are fantastic. Yeah. And we get immediate character development, too, which is rare. Like, yeah, they're bickering, but it shows us immediately how strong-headed Vinny is, as well as Lisa's aptitude for car mechanics and attention to detail. 
and just charming references like constantly talking about Chinese food in this rural Alabama town where there are definitely no Chinese food restaurants. No. There's uh, old police officers that laugh at the idea of a woman being a mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, thanks for showing up and insulting <laughs> us, I guess. And you know those places are everywhere still. Um, one thing I've missed in like repeated viewings, I don't know how, is the quick scene where we find out the local jail was condemned, so Bill and Stan are being held at the state prison. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Did you miss that as well? I mean, I heard them, like, I heard the bus driver in very heavy accents, so I missed it. And I remember him saying, so we're bringing you to the state prison, but I, I couldn't remember, like, I couldn't make out what he said why. Yeah, the town's just falling apart. There, there's a lot of accents to keep track of in this movie, okay? Yeah, there are. But yeah, like the town is so dilapidated, like the, the jails condemned the electricity at the prison. So messed up. They can't even kill a person in the electric chair. They've tried several times. It's just not working. But my main problem here is our two Utes are introduced <laughs> to gen pop. Now I've seen tango and cash. Aren't there supposed to be random fires everywhere? Yeah, and uh, flyers falling, and uh, yeah. Yeah, this place is spotless. Uh, this must be one of those minimum security ones that they were supposed to go to. Uh, or we've been lied to. It's possible that movies aren't being completely fortright with us. I won't hear that. No. <laughs> no. It's the gospel truth. Okay. Vinny right. arrives at the prison. And through yet another bit of confusing wordplay, Stan thinks that Vinny's there just to rape him. Yeah. Um, it's a weird scene. It's a weird scene. It really makes me dislike Stan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate him. Like, I didn't I, like him at the first place. I think he's only in the movie to explain the convenience store scene. And that's it. Other than that, he has no purpose in this movie. He doesn't need to be here. No. In fact, it might have been better if, like, he wasn't here. It was just Ralph Macchio, and we didn't actually see what transpired in the convenience store. Because then there isn't, like, a second person to corroborate his story. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Because, like I said, he's only there to provide somebody for Bill to talk to about the can of tuna in the pocket. Yeah. That's it. After the confusion is cleared up, uh, the three of them you know, talk, and it's revealed that Vinny's only dealt with personal injury and has never actually had to go to court before. He's an ambulance chaser! Yeah. <laughs> it's but I, no, go for it. I love his performance here. There's something so honest and candid about the way that he's answering. And they're like, so this is your first one? And he's like, yep. And you've been to trial? Nope. Right? Like, it's just... It's very, his performance just set, comes off very honest. Yeah. Throughout the entire film, Vinny is painfully honest and then gets angry about it <laughs> when uh, people kind of call him out on his uh, inability. Mm. Uh, spent six years after graduation studying for the bar because he failed, what, six times? Yeah, third time's a charm? Not for me. No. Six times was my charm. 
Uh, cut to the courthouse, and we finally get one of my favorite actors of all time, uh, Fred Gwynn, as Judge Chamberlain Holler. Do now, you? This this is an accent that I could listen to the whole movie. His it's, voice is amazing. It's got the right level of deepness, raspiness with the southern drawl. It's just, I would listen to like this guy narrate a book on tape. Yeah. He is one of the reasons why I love the monsters, like the original monsters. He was Herman on the show and in some of the movies. Uh, Fred Gwynn is great. Also, Judd Crandall in Pet Cemetery, the uh, original one. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and I, sadly, this was his final film role. But yeah, you're right. The dude has an absolutely amazing voice. Not to mention that he's six foot five, so he's pretty intimidating. And I would say he's also probably the most talented actor in the movie. He just has such a minimal role. It's saying a lot, though, because there are a lot of talented actors in this movie. There are very many. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he interviews Vinny uh, as to his credibility, and Vinny tricks him into believing he's capable to actually try the case. And I love the juxtaposition we get here. These are two very different people. And they play on that heavily throughout the rest of the film. Uh, Holler, 100% by the books. Vinny has no fucking clue what he's doing. He owns a book. Yes. <laughs> one of them is by the book. And another <laughs> one has read some books. Has read a book. Uh... It's short and sweet, though, these scenes, because next we cut to a motel where Lisa's excited for Vinny getting his first case and tries to support him, asking what you do to help, which he will never accept, seemingly. And this is a constant theme throughout the film. It is, but this early in the movie, I didn't think much of it because I'm like, well, there isn't anything she can help with because he doesn't even have any of the information yet. I know, but it's really driven home with, I don't know if you oh, caught yeah, the song. yeah, yeah, yeah. You I'm said, just you saying heard the in song the in the background, of though. this moment. No, because what I'm saying is, if you listen to the song playing in the background, it's Tammy Wynette's Stand By Your Man. Okay. And they're really driving that point home to me. Okay. She's asking him to help. Uh-huh. You take it from here. No. <laughs> the next morning's wake up. <laughs> it's a steam whistle at a nearby sawmill. Uh, but And this just leads to one of my favorite scenes, and that's the diner. <laughs> I love this menu. Yeah. <laughs> it just says breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. And the reveal of that's great too, because Vinny and Lisa are looking over the menu, humming and hawing, and she's like, eh, breakfast? It's like, yeah, it's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> then the reveal, just the three options and the price next to them. What's like two ninety nine, like a dollar and a dollar or something? Yeah. Whew. But then we get that ice cream scoop of lard on the flat top Holy grill. Holy crap! <laughs> I don't blame Vinny for asking about cholesterol. Yeah, no. That that breakfast is going to kill you. That seems excessive. <laughs> and then our introduction to grits. What's this over here? It's grits. The concern in Vinny's voice. But yeah, you've never heard well, of I grits. Mean it's understandable. It's not going to give you something that's not edible. You just, yeah. you don't know it. That's all. Sure. I heard of grits. I've just never actually seen a grit before. Yeah. You'll, uh, first time watching this, you'll never understand why this is important. 
And this isn't the only time. No, there's a lot of stuff that is very subtly woven in here. And this goes back to the fantastic writing that you were referring to. Yeah. So that it presents you with information that you have no idea that you're going to know or need to know. And it's done in such a good way that like, I'm calling bullshit. If anybody that's genuinely watching this for the first time would be like, I knew that was going to be a matter. And like, no, no, no. Can't. Just like the mud. How many times has mud come up in this movie? All, like they were spinning their tires that the first of two times that that happened, talking about how they're famous for their mud, showing the grits, talking about the mechanical, like they're setting everything up. Yeah. From the very beginning, they're building the finale properly, which mm -hmm. is rare. Yeah. Uh, first day in court, uh, the arraignment. And we get another amazing actor, Lane Smith, as uh, District Attorney Jim Trotter. Um, I know Lane Smith pops up in a lot of movies, but for me, he's always uh, Perry White from Lois and Clark. Okay. You don't remember? Did you ever watch that show? No. Oh, okay. I'm just surprised why. that that's what you go to and, and not, not the movie uh, you were in with him. Mighty Ducks references, man. Like, yeah, it must be that when he lost this case, he decided to retire and go coach Pee Wee Hockey. Yeah, they're the same year, but this probably just happened earlier in the year. He was also in Son-in-Law, though. Which I uh, don't you, remember it. You know we're covering that. You, you've said that multiple times on the show. It's not that I don't believe you. But that doesn't mean I all of a sudden remember the movie now. Well, you should. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that was painful. Um, day goes, I think it's safe to say, not so well for Vinny. The only part that I really didn't understand is I get that he doesn't know the procedures for court. But in the final straw, the judge flat out says, the next thing out of your mouth Better either be guilty or not guilty. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to even hear you clear your throat. Just guilty or not guilty. And then he still doesn't do it. <laughs> it's like, I get the subtle parts prior to that, but this time was as on point as it possibly could have been. I yeah. just want to hear these two words, and he still doesn't do it. And Holler openly mocks him for it, holds him in contempt of court. Bale seems pretty low for two people accused of murder. I don't know why there is bail, really. Especially at $200,000. Yeah, I figured you're not setting bail at all. But hey, I don't know how the judicial system works. Especially in Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Vinny's taken into custody with He's uh, perfectly bail. perfectly fine with it, too. He's 200. sitting on the bus, tapping his thumbs, having a good time. <laughs> I think that went well. What about you guys? Well, and think about Bill and Stan. They're like, well, our first day in court and our lawyer was arrested. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fantastic start. It's going to go great. Yep. Um, a scene between Vinny and Lisa. We get more car talk as a metaphor for his first court experience. Yes. And this is to let us know that they've both worked in her father's garage. Yeah. Um, she tried to hustle some money at a pool hall, but got stiffed. And I guess mainly because she had to spend $200 in getting Vinny out of prison. Well, yeah, because she said she was trying to hustle to get that money to get him out yeah, of prison. Instead, she had to cash checks. in traveler's checks, right? Yeah. 
this sets Vinny off and they go to collect in what is actually a pretty funny scene. Fantastic scene. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. What uh, what about it stood out for you? Well, I love how even during their uh, negotiations, because was it you said JT or something like that? I can't the remember. Hustler? Yeah, JT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, you know, threatening, oh, what if I kick your ass? And Vinny's turning it into, like, almost like a legal dispute the entire time. But then his attention keeps going to, like, a guy in a neck brace. Because this is the ambulance chaser part of him. He's, like, just in the middle of his conversation, he's like, "Uh, how'd you hurt yourself? It's just, like, the way that he can move his attention from multiple things, but also still give all of them his full attention, is just done so well. Yeah, and... and JT's talking about kicking Vinny's ass. And like you said, Vinny just glances over, sees the neck brace guy, <laughs> completely ignoring JT is just like, uh, rear-ended? Nope, fell. And the guy's like, nah, I fell. <laughs> and then a subtle nod, a little bit of disappointment in his face, and it goes back to JT. Yeah, he was hoping for a, a quick uh, <laughs> personal injury <laughs> case, I guess. And hey. he goes back to it. Yeah, he does. You fall on your own property or somebody else's property? Oh, it was, it was at my own place. Oh. He's so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bill and Stan argue over Vinny's competence, and rightfully so. Jumping Is this to... when they're out in the uh, courtyard? I, uh, yeah, basketball, I think. Yeah, Machio should have been sticking to martial arts. Dude can't even dribble basketball. Yeah, I knew you were going to call out some reference. Oh, his form on his shot is terrible. His guide hand is barely... You know what? We'll just leave it at. He should be doing spin kicks. (laughs) Uh, Motel scene. Vinny and Lisa. The leaky faucet. Again, building and building this character because her attention to detail is top notch. I agree. Although this scene didn't do it for me. It, It was unnecessary. It just drove the point home further. I think I think I'm really into this wrench talk. Yes. Yeah, they were both got pretty pretty turned on. Yeah. So let's okay. just uh, jump to the preliminary hearing. All right, sounds good. Witness testifies she saw two young men run out of the store, jump into a green convertible with a white top, and speed off. Then immediately identifies the boys. Next witness Not wearing her glasses. No. Next witness claims to have seen them go into the store. Then he heard a gunshot and saw the boys run out and jump into the car. Same story from the next witness. Then the sheriff reads the awkward transcript of his talk with Bill. Yeah, I didn't like this part because when Bill realizes that he's being tried for murder, he's like, I shot the clerk? Yeah, and he's just read. Yeah, when you just read it, it sounds so different because he's like, I shot the clerk. And then I asked him again, and he said, I shot the clerk. It's like, uh, okay, that's completely wrong, but hey, why not? Well, luckily for the boys, Vinny does not cross-examine anybody, gets called out for not wearing a suit again, and is held in contempt you one more time. You were about that? <laughs> uh, wonderful scene at the hotel. Oh, can we go back to them being in the bus to prison this time okay because i thought this time around it was very good by Vinny when they're like you know you could have asked questions right and he had this just brilliant like 
little segment where he's like, you guys are from New York. This is the South. I can't remember exactly what he said. He's like, nothing I would have said would have prevented this from going to trial. Like this is going to yeah. trial. Right. And it was, it was like kind of the first Down really Earth. big moment for me where I was like, he knows what he's doing. Just doesn't know how to conduct it. I didn't take it as he knows what he's doing. I took it as he's starting to realize he's fucked. And then how do you get out of it? Fair enough. I mean, both very valid points. I feel um, like the I feel like the actual intention of the movie is somewhere in the middle of that. You're probably right. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I was saying that night at the hotel, um, you get a really good scene. Uh, Vinny and Lisa finally having serious conversation. Uh, and th- this is where Vinny admits at finally being aware of the gravity of the case, admitting that he's scared and, and Lisa straight up saying like, yeah, you should be. And he's, that's why uh, I think in the bus previously, that's why he says what he does. That's what he says, why he says, and here we get the explanation for it. He doesn't say he's scared. He says he's a scared, a scared. That's right. And that really stood out to me. It's like, I'm a scared. Oh, okay. So many accents and dialects. So many fabricated words. Yeah. <laughs> That's my style. Stan drops Vinny at his, uh, uh, drops him as his attorney and hires a public defender. Uh, a major blow to Vinny's confidence. And yeah, I get it. Bill plans to do the same as well, but Vinny changes his mind with a solid argument and a card trick. Again, great writing here and great acting here because Joe Pesci is. Again, he's so good. He's so charming. He's so convincing. Like I, I'm, I'm behind Vinny now, and I have no reason to be. I don't know if I, if I were in Bill's shoes, would be like, yeah, it's a cool card trick. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In the cell, Billy and Stan, uh, Bill and Stan agree to disagree and stay with their differing representatives. And. Even in any other scenario, it wouldn't be bad if you could have multiple representation for no cost. It's true. But they're never decent quality. Cut to Vinny and uh, JT attempting to settle the hustle again. I love the constant encounters they have. So this is the one where the JT, because obviously the first time around they didn't fight because Vinny said, show me the money. Show me the money and we'll fight, right? Yeah. And he's got this roll of bills, and Vinny's like, "Oh, how do I know that's not a bunch of ones with a twenty wrapped around them?" And I'm like, "That is a really big wad of money." <laughs> it, yeah, it is. <laughs> Even Especially if they're for- ones, that is a lot of ones. Can you imagine? He's like, "Yeah, it is. It's a twenty dollar bill and a bunch of one dollar bills adding up to two hundred dollars." Because that is a big roll. <laughs> But uh, yeah, JT just dejectedly stuffs the the wad of money back into his pocket, and that's the end of that for now. Vinny says, fan him out. Let me see. Smart move. Little did he know that there was only $180 in $1 (laughs) bills in there. Uh, Another morning nuisance the next morning for Vinny and Lisa. The train. I feel like they really don't sleep at all in this movie. Well, he doesn't. They make it a point to even show multiple times, like when he was a scared, they looked at the clock before they went to bed and it said it was 3 a.m., right? Yeah. Well, he and falls asleep like, in court. Yes. 
But like yeah. they definitely make it a point to show you that he ain't sleeping. No. Um, next up is uh, a meeting between Vinny and Trotter. <laughs> Vinny showing his inexperience is way too personable here. And it's almost endearing because he just he he trusts that he and Trotter are friends and that they're not like that Trotter's not trying to crush him at just to win a case. Yeah. And me as a stupid viewer also got that impression. Like I don't think Trotter's trying to throw him off. I just think he's so confident that he doesn't have anything to fear. Yeah. Uh, to the point where they, they make plans to go hunting. Yeah. yeah. Which is fun for Vinny, who doesn't really. <laughs> I don't know if Trotter is supposed to come off as like an antagonist in this. I think um, so. But I never get that impression. He just seems to be like a lawyer that's doing his job. And even every one of his interactions with Vinny, I get a sincerity out of it too. Like, I, I think don't. he likes this guy. Really? I don't at yeah. all. I think he's a cocky prick. And well, I mean, he brought that attitude with him to the Hawks. <laughs> yeah, he did. Those were trying times. I'll talk about it later. Um, no, I, I think he's so confident that he is up against a schmuck that he doesn't see Vinny as a threat. So he's just going to be loud and boisterous. Uh, even making it sound like he's doing Vinny a favor by giving him his files. Well, uh, I mean... And- I I think I don't get that impression. Like Vinny says, I would sure like to see your files. And he gets on the phone and asks his secretary to send them to him. Yeah. Well, he's like, yeah, maybe can I see your files? And he's like, you know what? Sure. Making it sound like he's doing him a favor when it's the law (laughs) to to provide your files. Uh, Okay. Uh, Even Lisa points it out as a, it's called disclosure and he's legally obligated to give Vinny all of that information anyway. Yeah, because she actually read the book that he asked her, please don't read this book. Exactly. And and it's one of the first instances where she is helping him. Yeah, and it's like, she came here with you to support you. She's got nothing to do. She wants to read the legal book. So yeah. be it. <laughs> Just let her help. Yeah, why not? Uh, next up, montage of uh, Vinny visiting witnesses. And another appearance by the morning train. Very unusual. I love this. I I love how quick these scenes are. And this is a two-hour movie, and it doesn't feel long whatsoever. Uh, Next, we get the jury selection. and Maybe this is where he might come off as a bit of a villain, because... Maybe? (laughs) Yeah, there's a slight chance that he perhaps... Comes off as a little bit of a villain when he eagerly jumps at the juror that would fry them. Yeah. She'll do. Yeah, exactly. This, he's not a nice guy. He's trying to win a case. Well, he is trying to win a case. That is not under dispute. Yes. Uh, Vinny and Holler meet in the judge's office. And I wish we could spend more time between these two. Yeah. It, the movie just needs more of them interacting. Yeah. They they play off of each other so well. And it's it's not just the by the books and inexperience. It's not like that Southern attitude versus New York attitude. It's, it's 
Holler is a fucking giant and Vinny is a very short man. Like everything about these two is so incredibly different and opposing that it's fun to see them interact. Well, yeah, the judge is weary of him the entire time. And Vinny is just constantly trying to prove that he's not a pawn. Yeah. The, the only similarity these two share is confidence. And it's not Vinny's legal confidence. It's his personal confidence and his belief in himself outside of the uh, the trial scenario. But he's really quick on his feet. Um, ex- explaining clumsy with his hands, though, as he knocks over the chessboard. Yeah, but convincing holler that he's capable of practicing law at all yeah well i mean like i said proving he's not a pawn oh that was a (laughs) that was a good one for a change (laughs) i did it in advance too (laughs) what um what's vinny's explanation though that he gives holler for (laughs) that he became an actor 20 years ago (laughs) and that he had to legally change his name so he practices law under his legal name but still uses his birth name yeah so the law name jerry gallo which he kind of boasts about to lisa outside of the courthouse when she's like oh yeah that very famous lawyer who's been in all the headlines recently he's like yeah yeah i saw those she's like yeah you didn't read the articles though because he's dead just, Again, another piece of information that will come in handy later. Yeah. Uh, argument at the cabin. Uh, probably the best acting these two have done in the movie so far. I'm kind of on Vinny's side on this one. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's hear it. Well, because, you know, she even says, maybe this isn't the right time with everything that you got on your plate right now. And then goes on to... Give him more on his plate. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, that's true. I'm saying, like, yeah, he could have handled it with a little bit more tact, but she gets why he's so stressed out right now. Yeah, I'll give you that one. She acknowledges. Even at the end, yeah. No, and I get it. His behavior is not necessarily on the up and up, but. He's sitting there reading a book. He's been to jail a couple times. <laughs> She's had a conversation with him, a very deep conversation about how he's afraid that these two young guys' lives are in his hands. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> my biological talk is clock is ticking. And it's like, you, you are 100% in the right here, but you're also 100% right when you said, maybe this is not the right time. <laughs> yeah. It's good, though. It was really entertaining. And it does set Vinny up as that lovable asshole, which we, I, well, at least I was waiting for this entire time. Because before, he just kind of seemed like an idiot. And now you're seeing, like, he's got a spine that he just kind of uses at very wrong times. I think a word that you used that's going to stand out very well, especially as the movie progresses, confidence. Yeah. He is clearly not stupid, but he's in a situation where he's not really possessing the confidence that he normally has. And you can see a hint of it when he's negotiating with JT in the bar. Yeah. He's not in uh, outside of his element. So it goes really well and he's got the smile and the charm. But then when he's in the court, he's like kind of bumbly. And you and realize me. that like he's he's just a fish out of water right now. And he's and trying to figure it out. That's this entire film. Is a fish out of water story. Because you can see it as he gets better at this and as things start going well, 
his confidence comes in, and that's when he starts sleeping. That's when this case starts going well. Like it's all based on his confidence. I said yeah. the word too many times. I wanted <laughs> another one, but I didn't have it. So you're talking about him sleeping, like starting to sleep. Um, the next scene we get is early in the morning where he's actually asleep, but wakes up to screeching in the woods. And what is probably the biggest laugh I got from this movie when he just wakes up screaming, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Grabs a gun, which he fumbles with. He tries like, he pops open the, the drum for a revolver, tries to flick it shut. It doesn't. So he pushes it with his hand and jams his palm and like winces in pain, bursts out the front door wearing only boxers, white sneakers, but still put on his shirt, chain and jacket and just starts randomly firing into the forest. <laughs> It's just an owl on a tree branch. He's so good. Although, I don't know wildlife. I don't know what kind of sounds an owl normally makes. That sound would have scared the shit out of me. Yeah, they're they're pretty uh, jarring creatures. They look beautiful, but they sound like a living nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't fully understand why they decide to sleep in the car for the rest of the night though me neither because you can see the cabin in the background it's not going to be any more quiet in the car i'm guessing they think that the doors are going to have a more tight seal to keep some of the sound out but I i never got that but it does progress the story so maybe that's why i feel like earplugs were invented a long time ago yeah like, but you're not going to find those in rural Alabama in 1992. You sure? No, Maybe. not at all. I'm not it's, sure at all. There's so stuffed cotton in your ears. Like, I think you'll see if they sell ears. them at Sack of Suds. Maybe. <laughs> the outline of the body is still there with the corpse in it. Oh, yeah. No, they're not cleaning that up. Um, it does rain overnight that night, and the car gets stuck in the mud. Again, throwback to the conversation at the beginning of the film. And we get another, yeah. Uh, This is another one of those moments where not only do we see that the car is stuck in the mud, but the camera specifically does um, shots of each side of the car to show you that one tire is spinning and one is not. Yes. Uh, Sight gag of Vinny falling and rolling in the mud, then accidentally throwing his suit into it as well. Yeah, because he's just trying to get like a two by four out of the trunk to, I guess wedge in there and then I guess the bag was caught on it he was flustered and just kind of flicked out it was nice the only reason the suit was in the trunk is because Lisa decided to get it cleaned for the big day yeah didn't want to bring it into the cabin I guess I don't know there are flaws in this movie they're just minor yeah Um, next scene JT has the money Sandro yes he does I don't know how he won this fight it literally Joe Pesci just runs up and cross bodies him once. Yeah, it's a jumping forearm body press and then and just grabs the money and walks away. It's like JT's knocked out. Yeah. Um, oh, he's I dazed. Mean, maybe his head hit the concrete. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, if a lunging Joe Pesci hit me in the head and fell on it as it hit the pavement, I'd probably be a little loopy. I don't think he hit him in the head, but okay. Yeah, there's no way he would have. He can't jump that high. No, no. It's a crossbody. His arms, like, go across to his shoulders. Yeah. Let's uh, let's head to court. All right. Yeah, Holler's reaction to Vinny's new suit. 
Uh, care to describe what this suit looks like? Oh man, I don't even know. Like uh, it's it, 80s it, magician from like uh, Las Vegas lounge. Yeah, it's a weird burgundy nightmare. Uh, it might have been the suit that someone took off a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> it was a like a reject costume for the Joker. It was terrible, but it worked so well for this scene. Yeah, and I love how the judge is like, is this a mockery? And he's like, no, like this is the only suit I could get. (laughs) The whole store was closed for the flu. This was what was available. It was either the jacket, which you hate, or this stupid suit. I'm wearing this for you. And what happens next? He's held in contempt yet again. What and a his big reaction. surprise. Oh, no. If he only said, what a big surprise. No, no, no. He does say for the first time. The first time he says, what else is new? And then he, uh, the judge threatens, like, do you want to make it, like, two two counts of contempt or whatever? And that's when he says uh, the F word. I can't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, there's a fucking surprise. Yeah, yeah. What was that? And I love how he doesn't even have a clever way to get out of it like he normally does. His charmer <laughs> that usually talks his way out of everything, his response is, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have to say, I have laughed very frequently throughout this entire film. Yeah. 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 And like comedies, normally you'll like laugh here and there, but there are constant golden bits of comedy in this movie. Yeah. His interactions with the judge specifically are just oh my God. phenomenal. Like I said, I wish I wish we had more interaction between them. Uh, but Trotter presents a very strong case during opening statements. Vinny, who's asleep, is woken up by Bill, who kicks him in the shin. <laughs> he's like, you want to say anything? And he gets up, and he's still, like, wiping his eyes, trying to wake up, and just goes, everything that guy just said is bullshit. Thank you. And turns to go back to the <laughs> table. The judge is like, uh, or obviously there's an objection, and the judge is like, strike everything from the record except when he said thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Then we get to Stan's uh, defense, uh, who cracks under pressure and stutters his way through his opening statement, then the witness examinations, which ends up a detriment to the entire defense case. Yeah, I, I don't get why this character needed to be there either. Um, yeah, I don't, I like seeing Austin Pendleton. I think he's a very good actor. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, maybe just burying the case for Vinny Moore. Maybe that's why he's there. Cause he, uh, immediately calls a witness out for not wearing prescription glasses. So how could he actually see what was happening? But it's revealed that they're reading glasses. It's like, well, can you, uh, tell me the, the eye color of the two defendants and the witness nails it. He's like, well, yeah. But then we get Vinny's attempt at the witness, at questioning the witnesses. And I think it's easy to say he does quite well. He does very well. I love this. This is where I've seen it on TV a number of times. And it's so well done. It is. I did have a problem here initially, though. Okay. Because it seems like Vinny goes from being 
horribly beaten down to incredibly charismatic, aggressive, and accurate. But I think it's the frustration finally breaking through in the character. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going down with this. I'm just going to give it my all. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is that he gets a few kind of questions going his way. And it's just like, once he gets rolling, once he gets a bit of a rhythm, that's when he actually can excel. Agreed. Yeah, I'll, I'll side with you on that one as well. Because like up um, until now, nothing's really gone his way. Yeah, he, he's pretty aggressive here, though, in his questioning. Things like, um, well, just asking uh, a witness a question. He's like, you could say that. He's like, I did say that. Would you say that? Yeah, that's uh, that's the guy that he's questioning uh, about um, the grits. Yeah, and which please take take it away with this because I I love this so much. I can't do it justice. Why you gotta put me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let let me say this right now. This movie is kind of difficult to talk about in this format because it is a very wordy film. There's not a lot of set pieces to talk about. It's all story and line delivery. Yeah, so Vinny questions the possibility that it could have been two different people that he saw because when they were coming in, they were heading towards him. So when they were leaving, he presumably would have just seen the back of them. So two guys, similar build, could be mistaken for that. The argument by the defendant, or sorry, by the uh, witness, is that it wouldn't have been enough time. It was only five minutes. That's what causes Vinny to ask, well, what were you having for breakfast? And here we get the throwback to the grits part of it because... The guy says it was only five minutes, but they make it a focus earlier in the movie to tell us that grits takes, you know, 15 to 20 minutes to soak if it's just normal. And by that, he convinces the guy that it wasn't five minutes because he made grits in the amount of time that these events had transpired. And, you know, time and space works in the same way. I, I, don't, I don't know how you expect me to do this justice. <laughs> you just got to watch this. It's impossible. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a few different... Um, questioning scenes in this movie where you just have to watch the scene because nobody's going to be able to explain it with the same quality. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, this is also where we get the two Utes that everyone seems to know. I love when Holler calls him out on it. He's like, what is a Ute? <laughs> and Vinny walks up to the, the bench and talking to the judge, like he's an idiot. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Youths, I'm like, well, that's that's content right there, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's not. That was a bit of a kitschy section. It's not. It's not bad. No, um, Stan fires Gibbons and reteams with Bill and Vinny because, of course, he does. Yeah, go to hell, Stan. You're on your yeah. own. Fuck you, Stan. You made your choice. Yeah, jerk. Go go back to prison. Having been held in contempt yet again, see. <laughs> Vinny decides he's actually going to spend the night in prison so he can get some sleep. And there's yes. a wicked misdirect here because as soon as we cut to that night in the prison cell, the camera's panning along Vinny's body from like the shins and knees up towards his head. And the prison's in a full on riot. And we finally rest at Vinny's face and he is out cold sleeping big smile on his face. Says confidence is back. He can rest. Yeah. His lack of sleep wasn't necessarily the, the audio situations around him. It was Not his, his surroundings confidence. at all. Exactly. Yeah. And now we can 
see that the movies didn't lie to you, and there are riots at prisons all the time. Yeah, but there's no fire. You don't know that. We were just seeing Vinny. You would hear it. There would be alarms going off. Movies need more prison fires. Calm down. I'm sure that somebody would have at one point thrown a grenade and everything would have set on fire. No, I don't like that kind of grenade prison fire. <laughs> I don't want that at all. I know that's your favorite thing in movies when grenades set fire. Fuck, don't get me started on that shit again, man. It's so fucking stupid. It, it happens everywhere. Like, how is nobody else complaining about this? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, there are flash grenades, sure. They just burst into massive balls of fire, just setting everything ablaze. It doesn't happen. Uh, they could be incinerary grenades. <sighs> Why do I let you do this to me? I don't know. I figured this episode needed to go out with a bang. Shut up. <laughs> My God. So they're back in court. Yeah, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, they're back in fucking court. <laughs> and uh, at least, yeah, here, Vinny destroys the next witness um, with photographs taken around the man's house that we saw him take earlier. He's showing oh, that. Okay. Hit. All right. That's, yeah, that, that's a problem for me. Yeah. He took those pictures. Yes. I rewound to that scene. He uses Lisa's camera. Mm hmm. Camera has, or Lisa doesn't get her pictures back yet until lunch. How do you know it was the same roll of film? So what, they took hers out that she took earlier in the day, put another one in, and then put the old one back in? All no, right, good, no, good job. Negative proofing ain't going to work like that. Okay. Well done, Sandro. Your close reading of the film has determined that uh, the scene, which I think is one of the best, makes no sense. No, no, it is one of the best. It's just, it was a small thing because I went back and I'm like, they couldn't have given him a different camera. Why the fuck do you get hung up on shit like that? Uh, I'm curious. No, I'm seriously curious about it. You're so particular about certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Not definitely me ranting about certain things in movies that are irrelevant. You make me do that. That's I can't not help me. it. That's I not, watch it's not a choice. I'm watching the movie, I see the camera, and something in me just clicks. Oh, shut up. You follow that off with a pun. Uh, seriously, are you, at what point <laughs> are you watching this fucking movie? And then you're I like, huh, I, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, is there a chance that they could have swapped out film? Let me see. What, what was the, the timestamp of when we started taking pictures in that guy's house? All right, now I'm going to monitor for the rest of the movie how often that camera's used. There's no way this could work. This movie's a piece of shit. Yeah, but you don't put an old film back in. I know. I know how cameras work. Well, then I'm why just are saying, you questioning me? I'm, Jeez, you know I, the answer. Artie, I fucking said you were right. <laughs> I'm just saying, why focus on it so much? I think you need to calm down, dude. Then stop riling me up, man. <laughs> Just for any new listeners, I'm not normally like this. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with you, man. I think you need uh, a nap. I mean, I could use a nap. <laughs> okay, so but they're in court. Let's, Come on. Yeah. No, stop, let's let's just stop derailing this, man. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, you know what? Uh, I've got a two-minute clip here for anybody who hasn't seen the movie. This sums up how good the writing is and how well this scene works, how good Pesci is as Vinny. 
and just the charisma and confidence that comes through in in the writing and performance. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Mr. Crane. What are these pictures of? My house and stuff. House and stuff. And uh, what is this brown stuff on the windows? Dirt. Dirt? What is this rusty, dusty, dirty-looking thing over your window? It's a screen. A screen. It's a screen. And what are these really big things right in the middle of your view from the window of your kitchen to the sack of suds? What do we call these big things? Trees? Trees, that's right. Don't be afraid. Just shout them right out when you know. Now, what are these thousands of little things that are on trees? Leaves. Leaves. <laughs> and these bushy things between the trees. Bushes. Bushes, right. So, Mr. Crane, you could positively identify the defendants for a moment of two seconds. Looking through this dirty window, this crud-covered screen, these trees with all these leaves on them, and I don't know how many bushes. Looks like five. Uh-uh. Don't forget this one and this one. Seven bushes. Seven bushes. So, what do you think? Is it possible you just saw two guys in a green convertible? And not necessarily these two particular guys. Well, I suppose. I'm finished with this guy. The next witness, he, he, we can agree, Sandra, he is much nicer with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still a little bit um, undermining, but he is sure. a lot more uh, gentle with his approach. Yeah, she's the a attitude. Sweet old lady, right? The attitude's there, but you can't be mean to her. She's wonderful. Although it does have a fantastic moment with the judge here. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but before we get to that, I just want to say, like, when Vinny starts questioning her, she's not even looking in the right direction. No. He, he, does that, to- he did that intentionally because earlier in the movie, and this is one of the five million callbacks that they have. Which is great. He, yeah. He is told by the judge that, he will stand in the court when he's addressing. And if you watch the movie, he stands for pretty much every other time he's talking in the court. Here, he begins his his examination sitting as if he's making a note, but he's intentionally making a point that she can't see where he is. Yep. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the use of a measuring tape to uh, prove her inability to see from a certain distance. Because she said she was about what? 50 100 feet 100 feet and he goes 50 right correct and this is where judge holler ruins it fantastic it's great uh, how many fingers am i holding up let it, let the record show that he is holding up two fingers <laughs> and like the uh, the visual representation like the acknowledgement on holler's face that he just messed up oh yeah it's so good <laughs> <laughs> Fred Gwynn was a treasure the next day Trotter has a surprise witness uh, FBI agent who is the special automotive instructor for forensic studies which is something I didn't know existed 
This is another part that I had a problem with. I uh, I just didn't like it. But what was your problem? Well, because they make it a very big point that the judge is very by the book and that mm-hmm. procedures in his courtroom are to be followed. Yep. And then when Joe Pesci objects to a witness that he didn't have previous knowledge of or any time to prepare for, the judge just overrules it. Yeah, he does have... It's weird because he is by the books. We've both said that. But he also seems to have his own little vendetta against Vinny. Yeah, so is that enough to make him go against his procedures? Or if we're to presume that he got it from a legal book, the actual legal... Like, Marissa Tomei points out earlier that it could be a mistrial if they don't follow this appropriately. Yeah, Is the judge just going to waive that because he has a bit of a vendetta against Vinny? I don't think so. No, it is a bit of a misstep in the movie, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, going back to the the night before, this kind of proves that Trotter is an antagonist or like the villain here, because he actually calls Vinny to say he has a new witness, and Vinny says he needs that information, and Trotter's like, "I'll get it to you when I get it. I just found out." But he could have at least provided the name of the witness and his position with the FBI. Yeah. This so he is withholding a, information there. Yeah, this is definitely a moment where he felt that the court, the case was unraveling against him, and uh, he he he's playing mind games with Vinny, is what he's doing for sure. He's he's only there to win, mm-hmm. and that's been him the entire time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this uh, agent uh, examines photos of the tires from Bill's car and the tracks left at the scene. Declares it the same size and model tire, the exact same chemical composition for the rubber. Okay, so it's the most popular tire. Like Exactly. I didn't find this uh, to be like a gotcha moment in the case of the prosecution at all. No, it does play later, but it's a weird place. For a movie that's so well laid out, this one kind of seemed weird. There's a couple missteps, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Holler calls recess after getting the news of Jerry Gallo's death. <laughs> and we get classic Joe Pesci, where Vinny's shining again. And he's like, I got the news about uh, Jerry Gallo. It's like, Jerry Gallo's dead. I'm Jerry Callow. I love this because, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many accents and dialects yep. in this movie that it is not too confusing or unrealistic for the judge to be like, oh, did I misunderstand him? We did have the youths thing earlier. Like, <laughs> And Joe Pesci thinks on his feet very quickly. Yeah. So it's brilliant. Now, but he does only have until 3 o'clock because the judge is like, no more faxing, no more this, that. I'm just going to call and get an answer. But luckily for them, the clerk is not there for some reason. And he has until at least 3 o'clock. So he has just lunch to figure out his defense to this case-winning witness that proved (laughs) that the car that they were driving had tires and win the case before he's in a lot of shit. Yeah, uh, taking one step back to what you're saying, um, a lot of the movie plays on being lost in translation. Mm -hmm. Like different accents, not understanding the fish out of water, People don't jive. Yeah. Um, But like you said, he's got lunch to figure out what to do next. And this is a, 
a scene where Vinny treats Lisa like absolute shit while looking at her photos, which she just got developed, Sandro. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I, this is a, a moment very similar to the biological clock moment where, again, his behavior is not um, acceptable. No, not in the least. But at the same time, it's another one of those situations where it's like, he has lunch break to figure this out. <laughs> like, yeah. I just love the look on her face the entire time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, like, could, I, I could watch that for hours. Had, okay, that's not what I'm saying. Oh, uh, had I never seen this movie before, I would be like, she could probably murder him right now. Yeah. Yeah. She does a great job. Yeah. I, I have to say, this is one thing I, I know a lot of people love it about this movie, but I, I don't like this relationship. It's a little peculiar to me. It really I like is. The characters a lot, but I, I really don't like this relationship. I don't get this relationship. No. I mean, obviously, it's a comedy, and they're playing it for laughs, so you can't really pick it apart too much. It's just, I don't know, there's something off about it. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, she's finally had enough of the abuse and storms out. Understandably so. Like I said, his reaction's not okay, but she also should have read the room a little and been like, yeah, maybe this isn't the time to be showing him pictures. Yeah. Vinny gets the agent to admit that two separate cars could be using the same make of tire, which we know already. Not just the same make of tire, the same make of the most popular yeah. tire <laughs> in the country. Yeah. Um, then the hallelujah moment of Vinny comparing the court's photo of the tire marks with Lisa's photo and realizing that they just don't match. Well, they match. It's just that he didn't get to see the curb portion of it, right? Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Different photos showing different things. Yeah, which is fantastic because he even criticizes the distance of her photo at first because he's like, oh, it's so far away. Like, you know, you couldn't have gotten it from up in a tree. And then you see that it's like, oh, wow, like that wouldn't have worked if it wasn't so far away because he wouldn't have gotten that wide shot of the curb. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into all of the, the small details because they rant and rant about these cars and these tires and axles and frames and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but <laughs> wow, <laughs> I don't fucking care. I don't care. Sue me. Okay. 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 Um, when he goes to get her, we get a quick shot of the sheriff holding a note, asking Vinny at significance. Great. And then Vinny forces Lisa to take the stand as an automotive expert to rebut the agent's testimony. And do you want to take this one? Because this is what I just complained about. Uh, well, I mean, how much do you want me to cover? So what? obviously there's uh, hostility there. Um, she's mad at Vinny and doesn't want to answer. Um, she's on trial now, though, so she has to follow the procedures because this judge doesn't break procedures for anything. Mm -hmm. um, understandably, uh, the prosecution is not impressed with not being given previous no notification of a witness. Um, who would have seen that coming? Uh, yep. But they do test her automotive knowledge to make sure that she is acceptable. And he throws her a trick question, which, I mean, some might say is underhanded, but I think it's just a better way to know her level of experience. And question they for you there. Yeah. It seems like a very, very specific question. Yeah. To ask. 
mm-hmm. and then like very specific, knowing mm-hmm. that's a trick question, and then not really knowing anything else that she says. Um, does Unless he not it, know, or do they just not give him a chance to respond? Maybe that. Maybe that's just it. Because they do ask, like, is that suitable? And he's like, yeah, yeah, she'll she'll do right. Like, yeah, I think he did know, but there was just no point in arguing it because. He knew she caught yeah. him in the trick question. See, I also I, I found that as him just being stunned that she had such pushback with facts. I, there's no other reason for us to believe that this guy knows anything about cars. Yeah, I would have thought that they should have maybe with the writing that they did given us a little bit of information earlier, maybe when the two of them were bonding, yeah. that he also is a big car guy and knows Maybe not everything, but like some stuff about cars. Because it's like, yeah. all right, like you could have made that up. I don't know. Or, or ask the the expert guy who did the tires to ask her the question. Yeah, I don't know if you could do that, but it would make sense. But sorry, uh, continue. So anyway, she is kind of nudged towards the answer that, that uh, Vinny wants her to because Vinny poses the question as if his defense is that the tire that made that or the car that made that tire mark is identical to the one that his defendants were driving, but that it was a second one. And by that he coaxes her into admitting that the car of the defendants couldn't have made it because just the way that the axles are built, that only one tire would spin. The thing that the picture helped with is that it saw that it went up on the curb and then it continued to make the marks. Whereas their car like the car that the kids were driving or the one that they had say stuck in the mud wouldn't have because only one tire was spinning. And mm-hmm. that way they find out that no, they couldn't have made the tire marks. Perfect. Safe to say Tome crushes this scene. Yes. I'm pretty sure this is what won her the Oscar. I wouldn't be surprised. And um, not to say she's bad in the rest of the movie. She is absolutely fantastic. But this is her absolute standout moment. Yeah. She's, this she's this might have been her entire career-defining moment. Agreed. Yeah, because she is present throughout a good portion of the film. But give her the camera and let her run wild with it. And she's phenomenal. And you can even see her, like, the way that she gradually improves her mood as well. Yeah. Realizing what's going on is fantastic. Yeah. You actually get character development and like emotional growth in the movie. It's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, finally the agents forced to agree with the statements, but then we get the sheriff as a surprise witness. Yes. And Where this, Vinny, I feel- had, Vinny had given him a piece of paper before he went to go get Lisa because the judge only gave him three minutes to, to bring his witness in and asked him to trace something for him. We later discover that he'd asked him to trace the other car that he also thought would have been the actual car capable of this. Because maybe his car knowledge is not as strong as Lisa's, but it's enough to know that that car couldn't have done it. Obviously, that's why he was able to guide her to the answer he wanted so well. And the police officer, the sheriff, found the information that the car matching the details that actually could have made that was apprehended in another state, and they found a murder weapon in the car. With 
two people, like the two guys that match uh, their their description. Yes. Exactly. And then they make it a big deal that the prosecutor has to say that the charges are being thrown out. And I yeah. get like that's probably a formality, but it's like, yeah, we know. Like, like yeah. they found the guys. It yeah. ain't these ones. Yeah. You can just you, say what we you know. lost. Yeah. And then we we cut to the front of the courthouse outside. And I don't know if you caught this, but in the background, yeah. Trotter is smiling the biggest toothy smile I have ever seen in my life. And I'm just thinking, you should be rather upset here because you just lost I, a really big case. I honestly think that he liked Vinny. It doesn't make sense, though. I, okay, I just, I saw it differently. I saw it like he is a guy who's trying to do his job, but he is not trying to do it to against Vinny because he likes Vinny. He's just doing it to do his side of it. Like, yeah, he's not trying to sideline Vinny in the case whatsoever, except for the whole FBI agent thing. Exactly. But he doesn't see him as a threat, and I find that he is pompous when he's with Vinny. And that he may not be the villain, but he's definitely an opponent. And I'm he's, not saying, he's very I'm not, much willing to play that opponent. I'm not saying that that's wrong. It's just not the impression that I got. Okay. I definitely got that he was cocky. Um, but I, I I thought he really did like Vinny. Yeah. Well, he offers him a job, which is interesting. And the ability to go hunting again sometime. Yeah. And then we get our final confrontation with Holler. Apparently, the Jerry Callow identity was confirmed. Yes. Yeah. Another throwback to earlier when Vinny was telling uh, Trotter about the judge that essentially convinced him to go into law, uh, was contacted by Lisa and sent a fax confirming his identity to the other judge. Clearly not as much of a stickler about what she's <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, identity fraud. fraud. Yeah. Yeah, it works out though. And uh, as Vinny and Lisa drive off, they bicker about their eventual wedding. As the credits roll, we're given a god awful country song by Travis Tritt. He re reworked the lyrics of one of his songs called Bible Belt to tell the story of Vinny and Lisa. Oh, I didn't even pay attention to that. I just kind of oh, yeah. it out. Yeah, you know, the lyrics tell the story of the movie. Oh. And it sucks. All right, then. But yeah, my cousin Vinny. All right, should we get into some numbers? Yeah. Uh, not many locations in the movie. However, a relatively big cast. What's your thoughts on uh, budget? But a lot of them weren't like super big yet, right? At this time? Um. Well, I mean, Pesci was huge. He had just won an Oscar a couple of years before. Uh, Fred Gwynn was a legend. Um, Lane Smith, also very well known. Machio had already done The Karate Kid. Um, okay, so, so most of the money is going to go to the cast. Because I don't think any of the set would... Can't be yeah. more than $20 million. Uh, Almost half that. 11. I was going to say a lower number, but you just convinced me with all those... <laughs> well, I, you would you would think it would be higher, much higher. I would have thought it would. I thought it would have been less because, again, I was going by the mentality that 
while some of these were well known that they weren't fetching huge salaries yet, but yeah. Well, you 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 got me. Uh, what about the gross? Well, this one's a runaway success, right? Like, I didn't it, it, see it, but like everybody knew about it. Fifty million. Uh, sixty-four, just over oh, sixty-four. Even better! Wow. Okay. I think this movie made a lot more on video, though. That's possible. Yeah. It just seems like one of those movies. Um, ratings. What do, you, what do you think people are giving it on IMDb? 8.4. 7.6. Oh. oh Which okay. is lower than I expected. Yeah, IMDb is always lower than I expected. Or there's, a lot of, there's a lot of haters on there. <laughs> it's always lower or higher than I thought. <laughs> Uh, Rotten Tomatoes will give you a heads up. Both the uh, critics and audience gave it the same rating. Oh, well, this one's a cult classic, so I'm going... You know, I'll stick with my 84. 87. Oh. It's good. Wait, from the critics, too? Yeah. It's rare that the critics and the viewers on Rotten Tomatoes see eye to eye. Yeah, it's uncommon, but I think it makes sense this time. Okay, all right. Hopping into awards, I'm very curious to know what uh, Danielle's selections were. All right, so for worst or least favorite performance, she wrote, Ralph Macchio as Rick Gambini <laughs> was my least favorite performance. I generally felt his presence was unmemorable comparably to, other, comparably to others in the cast. I felt like this role could have been played by any other actor in a similar vein, and the shift wouldn't have had a significant impact on the film. That's a fair statement. Uh, so you would begin between the two of us for worst. What, what did you have? Uh, Stan Mitchell Whitfield. I'm with you. I'm, uh, I'm just I already, say I already right said that. Yeah. Too. Like I said, he's only there to aid in the start of the plot. And after that, he's useless. <laughs> and, and the thing is, even though he's useless, because he could be a throwaway character that doesn't actually serve much of a purpose. Like, don't make him so annoying and unlikable. Like, he is very annoying. Make him, at the very least, make him a little bit more vulnerable and make me want to see him at least get out, right? But at this point, I'm like, I don't care, whatever. Let him fry. Yeah. Whatever. Like, he's just, he's he's not developing the same sympathy that you are expecting from a character in this scenario. Yeah. And I, I would like to say as well that this is least favorite character, not least favorite performance, because I don't think there was a bad performance in this film. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you that there's no bad performances in this movie really if there's any bad performances very minor like if a maybe somebody doesn't like jt's performance but it's like great he was in two scenes right like yeah and he played the, actual, the character well yeah the, <laughs> the the cast that like people would actually kind of quantify for this all did phenomenal yeah maybe an extra messed up somewhere yeah uh what do we have for favorite character uh, so for best or favorite performance, she put uh, Marissa Tomei as Mona Lisa Vito was my favorite performance. Marissa's performance, unex or Marissa's performance, unexpected knowledge of automobiles, her sheer passion, as well as her explosive and hilarious monologues were nothing short of extraordinary. Great. Yeah. So I begin between the two of us and um, I can't deny anything that she said. But I gotta go with Joe Pesci as Vinny in this. 
Um, I, I think it's kind of like, even if you are in the same boat as her, it's a 1A, 1B situation. Mm-hmm. Because Vinny delivers so many different like emotional ranges. His performance is just phenomenal. His The charm that the character is supposed to convey himself with comes through because of the actor's performance being so phenomenal. Sure. I, I easily see that too. Uh, I'm gonna I guess you're going with the judge though. Sure am. Yeah. Fred Gwynn is judge Holler. I, I wish he was in the movie more. His character is so interesting to me because he's so stuck in his ways by the books, as we said numerous times, but he's outsmarted by Vinny multiple times. And I just find that so interesting, especially his reaction to it, like finding out like I've been had now I've got him just to get had again. The character is so well-written and very well-performed. Uh, I will say, though, if I had to pick out of favorite performance or favorite character from the amount of screen time they had, I would also go with Joe Pesci. Okay. All right. Yeah. But, hey, I honestly couldn't argue with the judge either. I honestly think all three of them are in the running just for being fantastic. So Yeah. Uh, All right. I'm curious about memorable line because I know I had a tough time with it. Uh, so yeah, I did too. Honestly, there this is a tough one to pick one line. Uh, so she had, "You got it, honey. You did it." The case cracker. Me in the shower. The line was just funny in the moment. <laughs> uh, so what about you? Um, there are too many lines to have a favorite one. Okay, way too many. Uh, okay. So I'm going to go with the most memorable, which we've already talked about numerous times with what is a ute? What is a ute? I honestly didn't even know about that one beforehand. Like, you're like, everybody seems to know. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's a classic line. Um, Mine is not going to be a surprise to you because I think I've mentioned it in two phone calls that you and I have had leading up to this episode already. <laughs> and yeah. it is when uh, Vinny is examining Mr. Tipton. And Mr. Tipton says, like, I don't know, maybe I'm a fast cook. And Vinny's like, are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than any other place on the face of the earth? And Mr. Tipton's like, very timidly, like, I don't know. He's like, well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. <laughs> There is a second part, but I don't like the magic beans part is, or magic grits so much. But that yeah. part is just so good to me. And maybe it is Vinny being a little bit belligerent, but like the performance oh, yeah. is just so good. It's, I don't know. To me, it's that a was a lot more game. of a aha moment in the case than any others. Yeah, and it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, so for most memorable moment or scene for uh, Danielle, she put uh, Marissa Tomei's defense monologue was the most memorable moment or scene. And honestly, I don't think she needs to put anything more than that because anybody who's seen the movie knows exactly what part that is and why that is. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm right there too. I, is that yours? Yeah. Okay, well, normally the procedure is that I go first on most memorable moment or scene between you and I, but I'll let it go this time. Thanks, buddy. Uh, not mine, to be honest. Um, phenomenal scene. Absolutely phenomenal. But um, just not the one that I went with. Mm-hmm. 
This is where you ask me, which one is it? Oh, sorry. Which one is it? <laughs> it's on. It's the first negotiation with JT, uh, with Pesci's performance, looking over at the guy in the neck brace. And like, there, there's just something about that scene that I think the key thing for me is that it's just a lot of fun. Marissa Tomei's monologue is phenomenal, but this one is just really fun. I don't know. You can't go wrong with a lot of them. Well, there's there's better scenes, but this one plays so much to the plot of the film, and it's it's a banger, undoubtedly, and it's from uh, an actor who was awarded Best Performance, so I could see why this would be memorable for a lot of people. Maybe not favorite. Yeah, th- honestly, there is a number of scenes that could have been selected for this. Anyway, that's our awards. Ben, what are your yeah. final thoughts on My Cousin Vinny? Oh, I love this movie. It's hard not to. The writing is fantastic. Uh, perfectly brought to life by everybody in the movie. Uh, Two-hour runtime, it flies by. There's no boring moments. Uh, probably one of the few great courtroom comedies. Because that's a, that's a tough one. But uh, it's just hilarious. It's a lot of fun. It's a 1992 movie that has not aged at all. Like, it's great. Everything about it works for me. Um, Definite recommend. Uh, Honestly, I think this is a movie that most people listening to the show would have seen already anyway. How about you? What are your final thoughts? I loved it. Yeah, you have to. (laughs) You fucking have to. That's that's it. I'm pretty sure I don't need to say any more than that. We've made it quite clear um, why this is such a great movie uh, already. Except for that stupid Travis Tritt song. That sucks. Yeah, and that exploding fire grenade. Just don't. Okay. So that was our thoughts on My Cousin Vinny. If you guys want to share your thoughts with us, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BSBargainBin, Facebook.com slash BSBargainBin, BSBargainBin.com. Or you can leave a comment in the comment section on YouTube. Quick reminder that we do have merch available, some fantastic designs for t-shirts, mugs, notebooks, whatever you want, really. You can find a tab for merch on our website at BSBargainBin. Ben. Yes? Next week is not a fan pick. Next week is episode 104. Sure is. What movie are we doing? Well, we are going to have a guest on for episode 104. Somebody who had been on exactly 100 episodes ago. And that is Jason from Hey, Did You See This One? We are talking 1992's Stay Tuned. Sorry to disturb you at this hour, but I have something you want. A new TV? It broadcast programs no one had ever seen. Wednesday at 9, don't miss an all-new episode of The Silencer of the Lambs. Then one night, Roy and Helen Nabel got sucked in and discovered that hell (laughs) is one TV show after another. Let's welcome our new contestants, Roy and Helen starring in every show i've watched enough wrestling to know one thing it's all fake no one ever gets not fake not fake 
So the object, the object, Mr. Pierce, is to kill them before they reach the end. Oh, my God. We're cartoons. I am not a mouse. I'm Helen Nabel. I have two beautiful children. Mom? Our parents are trapped in television. Now, they can't go home. They can only switch channels. Where did he go? Hey, lady, watch out! And every series is a nightmare. That's entertainment. Because Satan is the sponsor. Okay, everybody, head spins. Very good, very nice. Well, time to rock and roll. Star me up. You got star me up. This comedy from hell. That'll save her. Stay tuned. Where have you been? Until next time, have a good one. All the best.